0: This podcast is brought to you by the Voinovich School of Leadership and Public Affairs at Ohio University.
1: Hi, everyone. I'm Bev Jones, and this is Just About Work, where we talk about everything that might have an impact on your career. Our guest today, Mark Silverman, is a serial entrepreneur He spent 30 successful years building, running, and advising a series of consumer and tech companies. Then, he shifted gears. After watching the challenges faced by several aging family members, Mark adopted a new mission. His current passion is to help people live longer, happier, and more meaningful lives. Mark has created Amaba, a platform to connect empty nesters, retirees, or anyone who wants more in their lives, with flexible jobs, volunteer gigs, and other adventures. We'll talk about Mark's career, about Amava, and about other ways to keep making life interesting. Mark, you've created an interesting new uh, business, a mission-driven business that I find really intriguing. But here at Jazzed About Work, we always like to know people's career story. And anytime I hear somebody described as a serial entrepreneur, I want to know, what's that all about? How do you do one thing after another? So um, welcome, and can we start with you telling us a little bit about your career?
0: Sure. I'd be happy to. Um, yeah. I mean, I have started multiple businesses and we'll talk about that in a sec, but I've actually had, you know, a couple of different careers, all of which are linked by a common theme. And and that is continuing to challenge myself. And I started first as a corporate lawyer uh, on Wall Street at a firm called Davis Polk. And I learned a lot uh, working, a long, <laughs> working long hours at Davis Polk. Um, and then came out to the West Coast to work with early stage companies where I really had a passion for working with entrepreneurs. I, I really wanted to help them achieve their goals and, and participate uh, as both an advisor. I took early board seats. I made some investments. And I, I really had so much fun working with early stage companies that I decided to join as the second step in my career about 10 years in with a company called Drugstore.com. And we were the first you know, online healthcare company. Uh, We were really focused on helping people get their daily prescriptions and and other drugstore products much more easily. Through delivery, we were partnered with companies like Amazon uh, very early. We had board members, um, which were phenomenal. We had Howard Schultz and Jeff Bezos and John Doerr and Brooke Byers. Um, And so that was a phenomenal experience working with folks like that and learning how to build and scale a business very quickly, especially one focused on people's health and so we um so we were successful we built that company we took it public and i really wanted to try the next stage of my career which is really running a company and building one from scratch and so i focused on building a software company and i spent uh, about five or six years um, on the software company building it and building revenue and building customers Um, and then i was ready for my next challenge and my next challenge was taking my experience as an advisor uh, and as kind of an entrepreneur executive in a couple of different companies and see if I could become a venture capitalist, an investor in early stage companies and really help guide them from the beginning and provide them with the capital they needed to succeed. And so that was really kind of the next stage. And I spent most of the next 10 years um, investing a couple hundred million dollars out of a firm called Catamount Ventures. And we focused on really mission-oriented companies, companies that had um, what some people call a double or triple bottom line, where the business itself was a solid business with good economics, but ultimately the mission was to help a group of people and or help society in general. And so some of our investments early on were companies like Seventh Generation, one of the first uh, environmentally friendly house cleaning and paper products companies. Um, And we built a company called Plum Organics, which really focused on bringing organic baby food uh, to the marketplace for the first time. And so I had a lot of fun doing that. Um, Like I said, I spent about 10 years and then I decided to take a step back and think about, well, what would I really want to do next? Out of all my experiences, where did I enjoy my time the most? And in talking to people I trust and thinking about it and talking to my wife, I realized what I really enjoyed doing was the hands-on process of building companies. And that brings us to today, where my latest challenge and my latest opportunity is Amava, um, which we started a few years ago and I'm super excited about.
1: Well, you've had an amazing career already, and it sounds like you've hung out with some very smart and innovative people. So you've had um, a, a great a great background. But why Amava? Why can you tell us a little bit about this mission and how it is that you're become so passionate about this mission?
0: Um I'd be happy to, yeah. Uh you know, it's I get I had asked this question a lot. And I think it's it's part personal and part professional in the sense that um the personal side is that I witnessed the impact of isolation and disengagement on my grandfather and then my father-in-law as they aged. And I saw how it impacted their health, how it impacted their life satisfaction, their relationships with family. And that raised the issue to me at a very high level. And at the same time, I was looking at what problems I wanted to solve and and what problems we could apply technology and, and kind of a team of people that I'd worked with for many years um, we could we could focus our attention on solving that was significant, um, something with scale. And I started doing some research around it, and I talked to Laura Karstensen at the Stanford Center on Longevity, who was hugely influential in my early thinking on this, um, though she may not realize it, um, and a several other people. And I realized that this is not just a problem that's growing because of the number of people who are leaving their full time careers, leaving kind of full time parenting. Um, but also because of the nature of what was happening in society. And so I decided to sit down and say, okay, can we can we solve this problem? And then I got to look at the other side of the personal relationships I've, have, I've had, which, you know, my parents, for example, and some of my parents' friends who were the opposite end of the spectrum, they've stayed very, very engaged. Um, in fact, my father at 81 continues to work with early stage companies um, and advise companies. And I've looked at their lifestyle, how they've been able to maintain their health, how they've been able to maintain their life satisfaction and sense of value. And I was like, okay, I think we can take lessons from both sides of the spectrum, the people that disengaged and the people who stayed engaged, and really create a platform that helps people more easily find the things they want to do and connect with them. Uh, And that's what became Amava.
1: So it feels like a a central part of the platform of Amava is... um, flexible jobs, but it's a lot more than that. What are the things that uh, you're putting on the platform? How is it that you're going to use the platform to help individuals and also to help the the challenge of a healthy, happy aging and, um, in a big way?
0: Yeah, it, you know, it really starts with the transition. Our, our primary goal is to empower people to make successful transitions to purposeful and engaged post-career, post-parenting lives. And this transition to um, the next stage of life, one that isn't bounded by a full-time job or full-time parenting, where your sense of purpose is defined, your identity is defined, is one of the most challenging we'll face in our lives. And of course, it's not something we've experienced before. Even if we change jobs during our career, we've changed from one full-time to another full-time job, one title to another title. And so the loss of identity, the loss of connections, the loss of purpose that people uh, feel and often are surprised by at this transition can be quite shocking and and cause people to withdraw, quite frankly. They don't know how to talk about themselves. They don't know how to find things to do. People that were incredibly successful earlier in their careers and had built this successful life for themselves, whether raising children or uh, building a company or working at a particular job, they all of a sudden find themselves back at the beginning. They're like, hey, I'm successful. I can't be struggling with this. <laughs> and, and I especially can't admit to myself or anybody else that I can't handle this. I've handled many bigger challenges in my life. And so that's our number one focus is helping them get started correctly. Um, and in that, we're focused on ensuring people spend their time on activities that provide them social engagement and give them a sense of purpose. And, and that's the starting point because what you find is once you're no longer engaged full-time at something, then really it's the time you need to fill. And if you don't start filling that time with things that matter fairly quickly, you can really start to withdraw, uh, research shows. And so our platform, as you point out, um, is is providing a broad set of these activities or experiences because we don't want to presuppose what people's needs are, what their personal goals are associated with the activities they want to pursue. Uh, A whole bunch of our members absolutely want to earn a little bit more money, even though they've left their full-time careers, because either it makes them feel good, it makes them feel valued. Um, they need to augment their income because they want to maintain a certain lifestyle and haven't been able to save enough money during their careers to support that lifestyle. Um, or it's it's kind of the way they think. If I'm going to spend my time and I'm going to get value, I should get value back. Um, but we also have tens of thousands of members already who are looking to spend their time learning. Continuing education is a huge thing and they want to engage with other people in areas of interest to them, whether that's kind of continuing education in the context of finding a new challenge, like, hey, I've I've always wanted to learn how to code or I want to speak a new language so that I can participate in a different type of role with that language. or it's simply interest-based education. Some people love music and have loved it their whole lives, but their careers and parenting has gotten in the way, and they just want to explore what it means to learn about music at this stage of life or learn uh, a language for the purpose of just challenging themselves. And then we have a whole other host of folks that really are looking to give back. Um, they are at a point in their careers where they realize they've been lucky enough to be given, st- if by, uh, you know, given a lot by other people, and they want to give back. And so they're looking to volunteer or they're looking to participate even in a paid job within a volunteer environment, a nonprofit environment that is um, a a charity based thing or some other type of environment where they can give back their time and and give back their energy and their experience. And then others, you know, they really want to experience some of these things and travel at the same time. Travel is A big thing for a lot of us when we spend an enormous amount of time during our careers really focused in a specific area and on a specific thing we haven't had a chance to really explore or experience adventures except maybe more than once or twice a year for a week or two um, and then there are a whole host of other really interesting things that people have asked us about. Um, so we try to provide a broad spectrum of opportunities for people so that we don't have to kind of judge or put them in a box in terms of what they really want to do with their time. We just want to be able to help them find it and find organizations, quite frankly, that are not just open to working with them, but excited about working with them at this stage of life.
1: My observation is that we used to have an idea that people work for a certain amount of time. And then at 60 or 65, they're going to retire. And then things changed and the idea became, well, at 60 or 65, you do something different. Now it feels like change can be very gradual with people developing a whole portfolio of activity. And that can start while their careers are still going on. It's never too early to start getting interest. So you develop a sort of a portfolio mindset, and then you can change that over time. Does that make sense to you, that approach?
0: Absolutely, I, I, I think you you nailed it. Um, the earlier you can start in your career experimenting with other things that are of interest to you and balancing your time better, the more prepared you are for this transition and the more successful you're likely to be in what people, like you're saying, used to call retirement. Um, almost none of the people I know now in my friend group and people who are even among my parents, friends group, think of retirement anymore as simply kind of spending 10 years sitting on the porch and bouncing a child on their lap. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. Some people really just want to relax. They've, they've really had a hard go of it and that's fine. But for the lion share of people, like you're saying, they want to kind of build this portfolio of, well, I, I'm still ready to work. So I'm going to work a little bit, but I want to do it on my terms and, i want to learn something but i want to do it on my terms and that's kind of evidenced in the fact that at amava while we have kind of an age group in mind we don't ask people about their age we're simply talking about stage and as a result we've appealed to people who are in their 30s and 40s as well as people who are in their 70s and 80s and while the lion's share of our members tend to be in their 50s and 60s because that's the most Common time to make a major transition um, to kind of your post career life And that's for most people when their kids are leaving the home and going, you know And going to college or even leaving college and getting work full-time um, We have people that run the spectrum <laughs> in fact that really um, We were kind of um, smiling the other day. We actually had a 14 year old um, right into our concierge service and asked for help finding a summer job.
1: Oh, I love that.
0: (laughs) And it was, um, obviously, they're a little young for us to help them. And unfortunately, for a lot of high school kids now, you have to be, you know, 18 for a lot of jobs, which is, you know, unfortunate. It's a shame. Um, But I I thought that was so charming that somehow they were looking for opportunities. They came across Amava and, and they reached out they sought help and not just self-help by reading some stuff or interacting with some of our partners, but actually contacting us directly. So while, while unfortunately we weren't really in a position to help the 14 year old other than give them a few ideas as to what they could do. Uh-huh. Um, I think they're well set up. The idea that they're proactive, uh, reaching out for help, not worried about being judged or anything like that was fantastic to me. People, the kid at that age, uh, being that proactive, you know, gives me a lot of, uh, makes me very optimistic for the future.
1: Well, it it feels to me that a key to all the things we're talking about here um, is flexibility at work. And that's something that's of interest to people of many ages. But I also have the sense that one person's idea of flexibility um, isn't the same as another's. Now, my impression is you did lots of research about Uh, the job market and the future of the job market and about what flexibility might look like. Can you talk a little bit about uh, the trends you see related to job flexibility?
0: Absolutely. Uh, This is one of the key elements of what we're focused on. We actually even have uh, an article that we wrote uh, about the definition of flexible work. It used to just mean or was synonymous with part-time jobs. And most of those flexible part-time jobs, of course, were low-paying. But that's not, the tr- that's not the case anymore. Um, flexibility simply means work that fits into your schedule. And what we're finding is, as you pointed out, people have different ideas of how they want to manage their time and their schedules, both based on their personal desire and based on other commitments they have. We have members who are primary caregivers. They're taking care of a loved one. And they're required to do that because of their situation for a certain number of hours a week or a certain number of days a week. And they're looking for part-time work that fits within that schedule. We have other members who want to work full-time, but they want to have a job that allows them to take more significant time off, in essence, vacation breaks. And so they'll work for six months full-time, but then they'll want to travel for four weeks uh, or go spend time with their family for four weeks. Um, And in some cases they can work full-time in certain organizations at very high levels where they can contribute a lot in the planning phase or they can contribute a lot during various points in time and leave but there are also other organizations that would be thrilled to have them participate for example on a remote basis which is another type of flexible work and we're seeing a higher and higher demand for people looking for in essence remote work uh, work that doesn't require them to commute to go into the office or be in a particular location in some cases because Maybe they're homebound, um, either because they're a caregiver or they have other physical disabilities. But in many cases, they like the flexibility of being able to work from wherever they happen to be. And they have children at two or three different locations and they want to take a trip. And, or they want to vacation and spend, you know, a month somewhere else. In all of those cases, these are folks that are excited to work several hours a day during that process. They don't need to take a vacation for four weeks straight, but they need the ability to do it remotely and so there's a broad spectrum of what flexible work means today and what's really nice is organizations that we've talked to both in the for-profit and non-profit sector are becoming more and more amenable to different types of work flexibility whether it's remote work or it's part-time work or it's half-time work um, combined with full-time work for part of the year or it's full-time work for part of the year but not another part of the year Um, And one of the reasons they're doing this is obviously it's a relatively tight job market for certain types of positions. So they're being forced to consider flexibility to get people that are quality, high quality employees or or volunteers. But on the other hand, they also have tools that are available today. It's much easier to have remote employees stay connected to be able to check in with them and have them participate as part of a team uh, with a lot of the collaboration tools and the other communications tools that are available. So I think it's kind of, uh, you know, an environment that's really going to stretch the limits of what flexible work means, which, from my perspective, is going to benefit our members and other people at this stage of life enormously. We'll be back with Bev after this brief message. Are you ready to make a difference in the world? The Voinovich School of Leadership and Public Affairs at Ohio University can give you the skills to do just that. The school offers a multidisciplinary approach where public policy, environmental studies, and entrepreneurship come together to educate tomorrow's leaders. Learn more about the Master's in Public Administration or environmental studies by visiting ohio.edu backslash Voinovich School.
1: A concern that I've had for some time is um, the same time I hear older people saying that they never intend to retire and they want to keep working and that it's important to them or maybe they desperately need to keep working. Same time we're hearing that there's been a, uh, I think a growing increase in um, age discrimination in a lot of places. There's a a sense that if you're not sufficiently young, that you aren't going to be up with technology, and and that you're not welcome in the job place. The f- flexibility and remote working might be part of the response to age discrimination. Do you think? Do you think these two things? Uh, battling age discrimination and creating more flexibility. Do you think they work together?
0: So let me take the let me take the age discrimination um, piece first, and then we can talk about how they relate to each other. Okay. But unfortunately, yes, there is still age discrimination, and I think where many organizations have made a lot of progress. In all kinds of discrimination, um, in addressing all kinds of discrimination of an overt nature, where people are, are literally making overt judgments based on some set of criteria that really don't relate to the value of the individual or, or allow them to judge the value of the individual, um, I do think, especially in age discrimination, kind of the more um, subtle forms uh, or, or you know less overt forms of discrimination are very very prevalent and. This comes in the form first and foremost in the way that organizations will evaluate a resume or the questions that they'll ask during the interview. And oftentimes people will get passed up because they're perceived as being too experienced for a particular role, which is kind of an odd type of discrimination, you would think. It's frustrating (laughs) for
1: the person to be told you're just too experienced to do this job.
0: Right. Isn't that amazing? I mean, it, it's kind of crazy, but I, I think that there is, you know, there's obviously an age element to a question like that, and it's a very awkward question. Um, and then there are a lot of other folks that have gaps in their resumes, people that want to kind of get back to work after they took a hiatus, either for a physical issue they had or, or raising children, quite frankly. We have a lot of members who left their careers to raise children and now want to get back into their job market. And. That's another trigger issue for um, a lot of organizations, especially ones that have, let's say, younger recruiters who aren't as trained in terms of how to work with people and how to ask the right questions. And then we have heard of not so subtle, uh, you know, layoffs and and firings that um, are based on not necessarily age but they're very correlated with age because they're based on tenure and let's say the cost of a particular employee that's achieved a certain level in an organization and both in order to create opportunities for younger people to move up but also to reduce costs and overhead Uh, we've heard of several members um, directly being laid off and looking for other work as a result of that which which you know can be addressed but it it rarely is addressed the right way which is sitting down and having a conversation about whether or not the cost benefit analysis makes sense for both sides and are people willing to be flexible and work on things so part of what we've designed amava to do is to try to address this in a very direct way without resorting to lobbying policies lawsuits Um, by definition our organization is working with members who are at this stage of life that tend to be older and the partners that we bring in and that are interested in working with our members know that. So our members know that the partners already want to have them as part of the organization uh, or want to have them participate in whatever it is they're offering and the organizations know who they're dealing with before they get here. So, as a step forward, both sides of the members and the, and the partner side of our business reinforce each other every day. Um, they're here because they want to be here and because they want to work together. And the fact that we're growing so fast really suggests to me that there is a lot of room to make progress um, and, and make progress quickly in this area. But the way we reinforce positive behavior is that we actually have a, an anonymous and confidential feedback loop. So we don't have um, partners judged openly on sites with ratings and things like that because that tends to publicly shame and it also tends to be people who are more aggressively dissatisfied um, as opposed to people who are aggressively satisfied with with a particular situation. And so what we do is we encourage our members to provide us with feedback and they know that they will never be tagged with the feedback because we will only share it anonymously and our partners like the feedback that either gives them positive reinforcement of their policies and practices or gives them suggestions for how they can improve it especially in areas like you know discriminatory behavior um, because they're getting it confidentially it's it's not something we're trying to shame them with it's something that we're trying to encourage them to change and be better at of course if they don't change and we continue to get uh feedback that's not positive they they can't be an Amava partner but we haven't had that happen yet and that's pretty exciting In terms of how that relates to flexible work, you know, I used to think that people requesting flexible work or the idea that you were going to negotiate a situation with an employer, especially if you're already employed, was a bigger deal and potentially would lead to greater age discrimination. Oh, you're no longer committed. Oh, you know, clearly you're at a stage of life where, you know, you don't want to put in the time or whatever it is. Um, And while we've seen some of that, we've seen less and less of it, because I think employers actually do want to maintain the level of experience, the mentorship, um, and and quite frankly, the cultural elements that a lot of our members bring to their organizations, but don't need them there full-time anymore, and of course, don't necessarily want to bear the cost of having them full-time anymore. So I do think we're going to see this kind of movement towards flex work, this, this movement that allows people to work you know, remotely more often and and on their own schedule more often as actually being kind of a a potential pressure valve release that allows organizations and their aging workforces to, to be creative about how to continue to work together, still create opportunities for people who are up and coming, but also allow, like you said, people earlier in their career to start to prepare and experience a portfolio life before they have to make that big jump all at once.
1: That's that's encouraging. But now let's think a little bit about this portfolio life. If people opt for maybe a remote job so that they're working a few hours a day at their desk at home, it feels to me that that's a time that they need to think about the rest of their life because they're isolated and that's not you don't want to simply work in isolation if you're if you're removing Kind of your office, family, from your life, you need to find other ways to engage with people in adventure. And that's sort of the other part of what you're doing, isn't it? You're helping people engage in ways that don't have anything to do with work paid or unpaid?
0: Absolutely. I, I think you're you know you're right again. <laughs> um obviously, you've been studying this for a long time, too. Um, yes, I, I think that you know, first, there, there are jobs that are quote unquote remote jobs that are still still have a high level of social engagement. And when we work with partners to identify those types of jobs, we often find them in areas that are, let's say, service oriented. Uh, so you're a customer support person. So you're connecting with people and talking to people and helping them solve problems every day. Or you're part of a product or program management group on a team. So you're communicating with them all the time. Uh, whether that's live or through some of these tools, we also encourage, you know, and and we haven't done a concerted effort, kind of on our on our platform yet. But we're also encouraging members on a one on one basis to take advantage of work sharing, um, you know, office sharing opportunities too that might be right near their home that are actually very cost effective, so that they can be in a more social environment when they go get a coffee, cup of coffee. They can talk to somebody in between the work that they're doing and things like that to alleviate some of that isolation. But as you point out, what we're really trying to do is help people build all of the elements of that portfolio. And so continuing education is a really fun and interesting area where we're expanding rapidly. And and whether it's upskilling or it's a kind of personal interest education, like we talked about, these are areas where you can go to your local community college. You can start um, doing some online with offline um, support groups. Uh, online education with offline support groups where you get together once a week and by definition you're hanging out with people who have a similar interest and in my experience that's where you create your connections you create them at work because you have a similar purpose which is helping the organization succeed in school you have a common interest in learning and when you meet people in classes it's it's not just learning but learning whatever it is you're in class to learn and so those are positive ways we've also found though that we can combine <clears throat> in what we call unique experiences, a number of these elements in uh, a new environment, while people are traveling for example. So group of travel, group volunteer traveling, these are becoming more and more popular and we have some really interesting opportunities for people to both in the United States and abroad, go with a group of people and, and work on a school or teach kids or build homes or take classes and learn about a particular area uh, whether it's art or history or language or, or even elements of culture like food and these are becoming more and more popular and they're really exciting because you get to meet people who again have defined themselves in a way that that you have shared interests but also are going through this exciting new adventure and that opens people up to meeting new people. It opens people up to new experiences. And so we've had a lot of positive feedback on these um, on these types of, of trips or adventures. Even better. More and more of these types of trips, especially kind of the volunteer travel, group volunteer travel trips, a lot of the costs are often either deferred or even covered so that you can go abroad and you can help people. And you can have your living arrangements paid for, and even some of your board paid for. Um, even some cases, there'll be discount travel vouchers so that your your airfare, if you're going abroad, is substantially covered. And this is super exciting because what an amazing opportunity if you have the time to go spend, you know, two, three, four weeks, you know, helping some kids in a remote area. And basically having somebody fund all or a large portion of that trip for you, um, it opens it up to people who might be socioeconomically less well off and couldn't take very expensive, um, you know, luxurious
1: trips. It, well, it sounds so exciting. And there's another bonus buried in all of that. The latest that I've been reading about neuroscience and longevity and aging in a healthy way is is pretty um Optimistic. There's a, a a new sense that if you keep learning and you keep having adventures, there's no need for your brain to age out early. You can keep growing and learning and um, and stay very healthy um, if you keep um, making the effort. Is are you seeing that? Are you seeing that the trend suggests that these kind of deep learning activities can Um, have impacts for a person's entire later life?
0: Absolutely. I I think that's really the key. I even think it relates to whether you continue to work or volunteer, not directly continue your education in a more formal sense where you're taking a class or attending a lecture. I, I think every adventure, every job, every volunteer position you take is an opportunity for you to continue to learn something new, uh, to understand the people you're working with better, to try to figure out innovative ways to solve the problem you're focused on. And yeah, to me, that's what makes life exciting and interesting. And absolutely, it makes sense that it it enables you to maintain your brain elasticity because you're taking in a lot more new information all the time and you're challenging yourself with new problems all the time. Um, I've seen some of the research as well it, it's, it's super exciting, and I think that is the most interesting element of what we're all trying to do. It, it's Yes, there's an element of preventing isolation and encouraging engagement, but the reason for that is what you just said. If you become isolated, you lose these inputs that cause you to react, cause your brain to have to think and solve problems. It's not just that you feel lonely. That's critical, too. And, and it's clear the research shows that even feeling lonely puts an enormous amount of stress and can age you much faster. But I think it's, it's this lack of sensory input that is one of the biggest things you lose uh, when you allow yourself to become too isolated.
1: Well, I wish you well with this new venture, Amava. It feels like you're um, making opportunities available to a much broader group of folks than um, might otherwise be the case. And I agree with you that it makes a lot of sense not just to focus on your older members because these are kind of things that it, it makes sense to think about uh, quite early. Do you Do you have any suggestions as a sort of a final thought? Do you have any suggestions for listeners who might only be beginning to think about what they want as their next careers? What's a good starting point, do you think?
0: Uh, yeah, it kind of relates to what we were just talking about and I can really only offer what has worked for me. I, I'm a little bit reluctant to kind of give broad advice to given the number of different challenges and situations people find themselves in, but what's worked for me is always challenge yourself, always look to learn something new. If you approach every career step as an opportunity to grow personally I think you'll not only enjoy the journey more, because it's really part of your education. It's not just about getting that next title. It's not just about earning a little bit more money. But I think it helps you understand that there's greater value in any job or task than just that compensation and recognition. You realize that it's really all part of the journey on how you're building yourself. You're you're building your problem-solving capabilities. You're, You're building connections with other people that you otherwise haven't had you're learning to deal with new situations and become more resilient and to me that's what's really led every step of my career from the beginning to the end Uh, I've largely had a plan that I've thought about from the beginning um, that worked for me that were areas that I knew I'd be interested in and wanted to pursue but at every step um, I took the next step when I felt like I needed a new challenge Um, when I left kind of being a lawyer to become an entrepreneur and business person, because I was ready to take that next step and I felt like I really needed that next challenge. And when I left that to become a venture capitalist, it was that okay, I need to understand that element of business. How do investors think? What problems do they have? And, and how do they solve those problems? And so it's worked for me. I don't know if it'll work for everybody, but if you always focus on the next step as being a challenge, um, and, and really an opportunity to learn and grow, uh, maybe you'll have as much fun as I have.
1: Mark, thank you. Your enthusiasm is contagious and your advice is excellent. And I, um, I thank you very much for joining me today on Just About Work.
0: Thanks, Beverly. It's been a pleasure to be
1: here. Today we've been talking with Mark Silverman about his new platform, Amava, and about how you can build a long and happy life. This podcast is produced by WOUB Public Media. Adam Rich is our audio engineer. I'm your host, Bev Jones, author of Think Like an Entrepreneur, Act Like a CEO. Today's career tip is that it's never too late to do something new. The secret is to keep meeting new people, keep learning new things, and keep taking care of yourself so you always stay fit for adventure. Thanks for listening to us today.